And the Oscar goes to... Picture, a podcast where we explore underrated or off-the-wall movies we think are totally blessed. I'm your host, Shelby Mori. And I'm your other host, Sky Payne. And this week, get your white elephant gifts and your holiday Instagram pics ready because we're going into Clea Duvall's 2020 movie, Happiest Season. Yay, maybe. <laughs> maybe not yay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the happiest season. Uh, yeah. It, it might be the unhappiest season Maybe, to be dead. Possibly. Um, and joining us to talk about this um, movie, certainly a movie, uh, is friend of the pod, Carly Rae Jepsen, Stan First, Human Second, incredible person, Chloe Sobel. Yay. <laughs> welcome to the pod. Wow. Welcome to the pod, Chloe. I can do that. <laughs> <Doing great. laughs> I mean, it's Taylor Swift's surprise drop day, so <laughs> no one can talk. A wild day, indeed. <laughs> so many things happening. So many things happening. And that's like, that, now that we're at the end of the day, is like the least surprising thing that's happened today. I know. It's been, really? a, it's been a hell of a day. The Taylor Swift news was like the very first thing I found out about when I woke up via Shelby, like reading her text, and I, it really set a tone for the day, and I don't like it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're talking Happiest Season. Before we get too into that, let's do our blessed movie of the week. Shelby, would you like to go first? So my blessed movie of the week uh, is Sound of Metal, which just came out on Amazon Prime, um, directed by Darius Smarter. Uh, it is incredible. So it stars Riz Ahmed um, as a metal drummer i think it's like it's metal i don't know there's a lot of noise it's not what i would listen to or typically classify as music but to other people it is um but so he begins to lose his hearing and then it's kind of like this this whole thing where he has to sort of one comes come to terms with losing his hearing and like he also has to you know come to terms with the fact that like it's not coming back and that he probably can't ever play music in the way that he traditionally did before. And so he gets a little reckless with it. And then he ends up going to this um, sort of like retreat for recovering alcoholics and addicts who are also deaf and hard of hearing. And I've been reading, you know, people's thoughts, you know, who are deaf and hard of hearing and like what they think about the movie and they all seem to be really, really positive about it and say that it really depicts something that they've never seen depicted in such a way before. Like it really explains their experience. They feel like they understand exactly, you know, what, he was going through and it's, it's really well made. They have a lot of really great actors who are deaf and hard of hearing themselves. Um, there's a lot of sign language, which is really interesting because the coolest thing about this movie is that you sort of are immersed into his experience because they don't have subtitles at first on the sign language. And so you're seeing it through his perspective. And then as he learns and starts to accept 
you know, how things are, then it really brings you in and you start to feel like you're immersed in the community with Yeah, them. I've heard like nothing but good things about it and I will probably watch it this weekend. It looks very good. Chloe, do you have a movie you would like to share for Blessed Movie of the Week? Do I? I've mostly just been watching like weird Christmas movies over the last yeah. like week or so. I'm trying to I mean, so this was like a rewatch for me, but I really enjoyed the holiday calendar, um, mm-hmm. which I is... Have, I love that one. I know exactly <laughs> which one it is. <laughs> like, first of all, hot love interest for once. Normally, it's just like the fake out ones that are cute. Um, but also like Cat Graham is so charming. Um, and just... I, I mean, like as like a hobbyist photographer... Um, <laughs> And I, like, sometimes do freelance stuff, but, like, I have never dreamed of opening my own studio like she does for the exact reasons that she never opened a studio. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's just, like, kind of cool to, like, watch movies that, like, focus on the interests that I have that aren't just, like, here's here's a high-powered journalist living an unrealistic life. Instead, it's like, nope, she's a photographer. It's hard. It sucks. But she loves what she does, and she's good at it. And also Kat Graham is Jewish, which is always important to me when watching movies, which also makes it funny that she's in one of the few good Christmas good movies. Christmas mm-hmm. movies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny you say like the thing about like the jobs being unrealistic and stuff like that in those kind of movies, because all I can think of is the Christmas Prince, where she's like the <laughs> world's worst journalist ever. <laughs> worst journalist? I watched that for the, well, I watched the whole trilogy in one day, I haven't seen exactly. the other. I've only seen the first one. Oh, I've seen all three, baby. Like I have thoughts, I have feelings, I have opinions. Like oh my God. I'm just saying. My favorite. I made a tweet that was literally just a picture of her notes from the second one, where she goes to meet up with that guy in the bar, and she just like she wrote the name of like whatever company or whatever, and then she wrote fishy, and then I compared <laughs> it to Joaquin Phoenix's notes in The Joker. <laughs> Shut the fuck up identical oh no yeah that one was like crazy to me because like having like worked in journalism like I mean not for long like I don't like it's been like four or five years since I was last like in an actual journalism job um it's just like it's so unrealistic to the entire industry like <laughs> yeah, no really. one is going to pay for a random editor to fly to a foreign country for like maybe a press conference. Yeah, yeah. really. Like, no one would do that. And she's so bad at her job. She's so bad. She, she doesn't deserve that job. Like, like I could have done that job. You really? My cat could have done the job. Like, really? It's one ridiculous. of my cats could have done it. The other is too dumb. <laughs> yeah. Now, Sky, what is your blessed movie of the week? Because we can't keep talking about a Christmas prince. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so mine is a complete 180 from all of that because I have not watched a lot of Christmas movies this week except for The Polar Express. Oh, which, God, a uh, nightmare. <laughs> an unrecommend. Don't fucking watch that movie. It's a goddamn nightmare. Um, so mine is Dog Day Afternoon, which oh, is from yeah. 1975, Sydney Lumet, um, Al Pacino being sweaty and stressed, and so um, what a picture. What a a picture. true, like, five-star, like, 
It's about a bank robbery that goes awry in ways that you don't really expect it to. And it's all about like the media and the, it's so good. It's so good. Watch it. I don't remember where I watched it, but seek it out. <laughs> somewhere. It was somewhere. You can Google it. It was impeccable. Highly recommend. It is. I, you know, I used to say that was the sweatiest movie on record until I watched 12 Angry Men. And then I realized that yeah. is the sweatiest movie ever made. Both of them. I mean, have you though, seen Alien? Yeah. Oh, also this is sweaty. sweatier. This is yeah. somehow sweatier. Also, this like obviously influenced Good Time a lot. Another very oh, yeah. sweaty movie. Um, very good very great excellent you know that was when al pacino was in his short king stage still like in the zone baby um speaking of um actually no i was i don't know what i was gonna say (laughs) i guess sweaty premises sweaty movies uh we could talk about uh the happiest season um which is only sweaty because it's like it's really trying to work it's really, it's really trying so hard to it's work. I will so say they attempted something. They really attempted they something. They attempted something, yeah. And it was like, it's just, I had very high hopes for this movie. Yeah. And I think we um, all did. Just kept going downhill and downhill <laughs> and downhill as it went along. Fell off the roof, one might say. <laughs> yeah, literally. Downhill, that, like the Force oh. Majeure remake starring uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell, quite literally. Yes, Downhill. which I have not seen no, because not it got such bad press that uh, I was going to try and waitlist it at Sundance and everyone was like, save yourself, don't do it. And I said, okay, I won't. That's unfortunate because that's a great leading pair. Yes. They're excellent, and they should be excellent together, but apparently not. Same with Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, should be. As I said to you in a text, they put Mackenzie Davis in a wig that is so mousy and just so disgusting, and all it does is highlight how gigantic her head is. <laughs> like, I love her. I am like a Mackenzie Davis stan, okay? I, Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire is one of my five favorite TV shows of all time. I think she's absolutely incredible. But, oh boy, I, did she, wow. she look awful. I love her. I think she's beautiful. She's a gorgeous woman, right? There's no denying that. And then I started to think to myself, did Denis Villeneuve put her in that fur hat in Blade Runner 2049 because he was trying to disguise her large head? Like, did I miss something? I don't think I've ever noticed her head being that large. <laughs> it was so confused. Like, I, and what kills me is that, because before I even watched this movie, because I, it took me like a good week or two to watch this movie. And I had already seen all the reactions, all the take, all the takes, all the discourse. And of course, everyone was talking about how bad Harper is in this movie, Mackenzie Davis's character, right? And I'm like, oh, it couldn't be that bad. And then I watch this movie and I'm like, God, they did her so dirty two times over. The wig, the character, like, what is going on here? It was, I, and she's a great actress. Like, so it's not really her fault. It's the material that she's been given because they like, don't give her anything. They don't give her any depth. They just make her like this terrible girlfriend. And like, you're just supposed to like believe at the end that, oh yeah, like actually everything's fine and they totally deserve each other and everything's cool. And she, you definitely shouldn't want Kristen Stewart with Aubrey Plaza, who is much better. So much better. 
so much better. Like I, I spent the whole movie just being like, dump your girlfriend, get with Aubrey Plaza. Like she's sexy and like so much better. Get with her. Or even like, don't get with Aubrey Plaza. Just dump Mackenzie Davis and her horrible dick. Yeah, exactly. Literally. Just get out of that house. That to me also, I feel like we're going to jump way ahead here. I have to talk about this. <laughs> that ending that we're supposed to be like, oh, this is a happy ending. It's great. Like the family's accepted her, right? I'm like, this is a horror movie because the family spends the entire movie calling Kristen Stewart an orphan and like calling and like acting like she has never lived in a house before, acting like she doesn't know what Christmas is, acting like she steals things and is a kleptomaniac. Like they berate, belittle, harass it's her. Awful. It's like. And I'm sitting here like, am I supposed to be happy about this? Like, I feel bad that she's to spend the rest of her life, possibly, if these things work out for the two of them, with this family. I I mean, in a way, it's like, it's really what it's like to be a Jewish person around Christmas. Because that is just entirely people being like, why aren't you excited about this thing? And I'm like... It's not even like, you know, like my family did Christmas growing up because like my parents are interfaith, but like Mm -hmm. when we've been down in the South where everybody's, everybody in my family is Southern Baptist, like Mm -hmm. literally my step-grandmother like interrogated my dad about whether he had ever done Christmas as a kid growing or like growing up. And he was like, we tried it once and we decided it wasn't for us. And she was like, but don't you like feel left out? Like, don't you feel like you're missing something? And I feel like that's Harper at Abby throughout like, yeah. the whole movie. And it's like, actually, Abby is right not to enjoy Christmas. Christmas is bad. Christmas gave us <laughs> yeah. the movie. Especially if you just spend it with those people. Like, Christmas is yeah, the worst. She's probably thinking to herself, I would rather have my normal Christmases, you know, nobody around, just me chilling, than have to deal with these people forever. Christmas is just cats sounds like a dream ideal yeah honestly sure. like i i spent my thanksgiving without family just dog sitting and you know what it was a great thanksgiving had a great time there you go solo holidays cool yeah <laughs> and like my thing about this movie too is like when i look at like what i like about this movie what i don't like about this movie my biggest thing about this movie is that like i know people are like well why did it have to be a coming out story what did it have to be this that the other thing and i'm like like, obviously, coming out narratives are always going to exist. And, like, it's always – I think those are just inevitable. Like, it's just going to keep happening, you know, even with more and more mainstream representation and stuff. But my thing is – my problem with this movie is that because it is just about this, like, coming out that, like, doesn't happen until the very end of the movie, the entire thing feels like it's, like, being put in, like, a chokehold. Like, it has to figure yeah. itself, like, yeah. out of this situation. Because, like, for the majority of the movie, you're like, why are these people together? There's not a lot of, like, romance in this movie for supposedly it being a rom-com, which it is <laughs> questionable, right? Just that right? quote-unquote sext where it's like, I'm, unblutton- I'm unbuttoning my blazer. <laughs> Literally. I, I blacked out that. Like, that, like, I erased that from my mind. <laughs> I'm I can't get it. I simply cannot. <laughs> just like re- like carefully reveals like half of a titty she's like i are like, you up not, not even that it's like the, the, like the top sliver of skin and then it's a camera 
barely any titty. It's just all bra and then like something else on top of that. It was very weird. But my thing is like, why couldn't they have done something where it's just like, cause like the beginning of the movie, you think, oh, this will be interesting because Harper's going on about how she wants to make Abby love Christmas because she's like, well, you've been alone. And like, I, I really want you to feel the spirit of the season. So you're like, oh, maybe that could have been where it like went. Like she wants to do that, but also it's maybe sort of tied into the thing of like her parents have unrealistic expectations and it's like just family shenanigans. Cause this movie is full of shenanigans at every turn. Unbelievable. Like just call it, you know, um, let's see, not happiest season, but uh, shenanigans season, because that's what this movie is. The shenanigans at every turn. You um, could workshop that, but yeah, I'll let you have it. <laughs> I'm just saying. Or why not like make it, okay, so like there's still like a coming out story, but it's like, it does, the whole movie doesn't hinge on it. Maybe it's like. Yeah, I, I thought in my head she was like going to come out earlier, than yeah. much earlier than she did. I didn't think that was going to be like a third act denouement yeah. moment like I thought they would like get there and they would like resolve it and I would like have a fun Christmas rom-com you should have known when, I was when she was like she I came didn't... out as an asshole early yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah really honestly Literally. that was like the real coming out in this movie <laughs> honestly you should have known that that wasn't gonna happen Sky because of no. the scene where they're in the car and literally they're no. driving on the way to the house. And she's like, oh, by the way, I haven't come out to my parents. Like, sorry. Oh. And you're like, this is a conversation you should have had oh a while ago. Not when you're in the car on the way to Christmas. Like, please stop. So but like, why not? You know, like, okay, so you have like the dad still running for mayor or whatever. Maybe like they're out to the family, but like they're like kind of ashamed or maybe they're they're still yeah. conservative they're like trying to maybe like okay maybe don't act so lovey-dovey in public like we can't let people know this like whatever I don't know like if you still have to insist on this coming out story why not something like this I don't understand why the whole movie has to be this because it just doesn't make any look anyone look good and it's a really tired sort of you know like whatever it's just a tired version of what could have been maybe something a little bit more interesting I guess yeah and the the trailer was complete false advertising oh yeah yeah I was not expecting the movie that we got from the and even after I saw like all because I watched it a few days after it came out for the first time um and even after all of the tweets that I saw going on about the discourse and if you follow one or more lesbians on Twitter like you know that people had mixed opinions about this (laughs) (laughs) but like I was still unprepared and like when I posted about watching it um like on Instagram and even when I did it like today when I was re-watching people were messaging me either like why are you watching that again or like should I watch it and I have to be like every time I'm like keep your expectations low yeah um, yeah. watch the trailer like it's like I would have liked it a lot more if it had been honest and upfront from the beginning about Mm -hmm. what kind of movie it was because it's not a happy movie and I have no yeah and I know some of the discourse like is often like I don't want any more coming out stories or I don't want stories about homophobia which I think is like very like misguided like I get Mm -hmm. it you want to see like people be happy but at the same time like coming out and homophobia are part of why the happiness feels so good yeah um and which is not like to be like you have to suffer to be happy but it's like it's an inextricable part of being a queer person like even if nothing happens to you directly like 
part of the joy of getting a good reception when you come out or like living a life as an open queer person is knowing what came in the past, how fortunate you are in like right now and how much further there is to go. And so I felt like the movie's treatment of that was kind of like not like not unfair, but I also thought it was kind of like when Dan Levy's character kind of like shamed Abby a little about like yeah. how much yeah. she had it when she came out. I was like, I feel like that's unfair. Like my parents were also accepting when I came out, but I've mm-hmm. come out to them multiple times throughout my life um, because the first time I did, they forgot about it. And then it wasn't until I was like, I wanted to go to the National Equality March in DC. And I was um, like, I was, I think it was in like 11th or 12th grade and it was like a day off of school. And I really wanted to go with my best friend um, who was also a lesbian. And at the time I identified as bi and they were like, why do you care so much? Like, why are you so upset that you might not be able to go? And I was like, because I'm bisexual. And they were like, what? And I was like, I told you. And they were like, no. I was like, I definitely do. And like, so like, even like the good reception, there's still like such a spectrum of like Mm -hmm. how it actually plays out. And so I I felt like it was like really unfair to basically be like, well, Abby, you had it easy. Your dead parents like loved and accepted you for who you Mm -hmm. are. And it was just like, I I thought I thought that was bullshit. Like, yeah, it's never that easy. No, my Um, thought too is that like I feel like there wasn't a ton of like nuance in terms of like like coming out and reasons for coming out or not coming out throughout this movie until like the end. It was very weird because it was like like. I understand, you know, watching like Harper's perspective for not coming out. Obviously she's not a great person. And the way that she goes about like hurting people throughout this movie, not great, but like, I understand why she hasn't come out. Like, and I understand like, and then the story about like her and Riley and then like her, like, you know, basically being like, Riley's obsessed with me, whatever. Like that story, like makes her come across as cruel because she's not been given any sort of warmth. She's not really been given any character. She's just been shown as like not a great person the entire movie. And you're not sure if the movie believes she's a good person, you know, from all the stuff that we've been shown. And like, but yet I understand where that character is coming from, but someone who maybe doesn't understand all this, maybe just some random straight person who's like watching this movie or has no experience, like with the more nuanced takes about coming out and like, you know, the community and all this stuff, like wouldn't necessarily understand that and would just be like, oh, she's so selfish for not wanting to come out. She's like a terrible person. And Abby even keeps going on about how like she's a like I don't even know who she is like she doesn't love me she's afraid to love me stuff like that and and then it isn't until you get like Dan Levy being like listen coming out is kind of like a personal thing like I don't know what to tell you like you have to let her do her thing whatever that you get like okay me like coming out isn't just like you know a one-size-fits-all experience it's very weird I don't like the messaging all over this movie is kind of strange to me. And it's I, really all over the place. Very weird. Yeah. I I was listening to Mary Holland, who's the co-writer on Lost Culturistas, and like I was like, I feel like she doesn't even get what this movie is. And she's also in it. And her character is a character I have a I have a lot of questions about. They, they I, did James so dirty. So and I was dirty. Like, you wrote this role that you're playing. Why did you do yourself so dirty? It was right. so strange to me. 
like, like I feel oh oh I, I was just like, gonna say that she's just <laughs> as a weird ca- like because literally to the point where someone was asking if she was supposed to be neurodivergent like it was such a weird portrayal oh, that were yeah. like you're like is that the intention and I'm like I don't think that's the intention I think it's just the idea is supposed to be funny that she's like a weirdo and then you have Sloane who is like basically Blake Lively with Preserve you know and her stuff like her fucking HGTV ass like House Hunters type yeah. job and then like you have Harper who's like you know allegedly a successful journalist and is like a good writer and is like has a girlfriend is put together whatever and then like she Jane just is like she's weird she paints she likes high fantasy stuff she's writing a book what like it's very like she used to bite people as a child like that's like <laughs> It's like they couldn't think of any other characteristics. They're like, we'll make her the wild card. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it's like such a common trope with this kind of movie Mm -hmm. um, with anything that involves like sibling rivalry or like more than two siblings that like one of them, probably the middle child is going to be the weird one. And it's never cute. It's never a cute portrayal. And the fact that like, like someone could ask, is she supposed to be neurodivergent? Is yes. like, I think a yeah. sign of how little thought they put into her mm-hmm. because like they literally just took as many traits as they could think of and like slapped them into this one character and didn't really give any thought other than th- she's supposed to be weird. So like, of course people are confused about what's supposed to be going yeah. on with her because we know what's going on with Sloan. She's like high strung and her parents like her less than her little yeah. sister. Um, we know what's going on with Harper. She wants to be perfect because she's the only person that her parents actually like. And, but then with Jane, it's like, oh, well, they gave up on her and now she's like the arty one. And it's just like, yeah, Yeah. it's it's weird. It's sloppy. I don't know why they didn't just lean into her being like an artist and being a little like, maybe like not pretentious, Mm -hmm. but like maybe weird in the sense that like, she likes kind of flighty things yeah a little flighty not just like she used to bite people and like is like she can't do errands on her own like we don't trust her enough like it's all just very strange and then like making fun of her book and like painting, and it's like like in my family like I am also the Jane type like I like art I like writing I like fantasy shit but I'm also like a person with a reasonably well-rounded personality. <laughs> yeah. And Jane doesn't you get to have that. Yeah. Yeah, she's just quirky. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's really interesting that all of this feels, like, really flat and one-dimensional, especially because, like, all of these things are, like, oh, this is kind of semi-autobiographical. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. if this was, like, semi-autobiographical, like, why do I not feel like any of these people are real? <laughs> like, I don't feel like I connect to any like there's nothing I was like the only thing I connect to is like Dan Levy tracking his friends on by my friends because that's like my favorite thing to do I did like, love that I was, that was a pretty I good was, like I have to give them credit me all the time I have all my friends on there it's just like <laughs> nice to have if your friends are like running late you can see where they are it's great <laughs> I just want to read to you that uh on Claire Duval's wikipedia page under personal life there's just one sentence and it is duval is a lesbian iconic <laughs> what more do you need it. Such a mood. what more do you need <laughs> it's really incredible 
I need to know nothing more about Cleo Duvall, and now I don't want to. Exactly. I know. Like, I, she can remain a mystery. It's up there with Gina Gershon's being like, she is a gay icon. And then that was yes. like it. Yeah. It's true. It's not wrong. Showgirls gave us everything. I mean, truly. Like, she said, <laughs> I am going to give you high drag. And where's her Oscar? You know, I'm still campaigning yeah. for it years later. Even though I just saw this movie for the first time in, like, September. I mean, listen, she deserves Emmys for her, like, Fifty Shades of Grey cameo in New Girl that wasn't like that at all in the end. And also her, like, two episodes of Elementary where she's a drug kingpin with weird sexual chemistry with Lucy Liu. Oh, my God. I watched a few episodes of Elementary. I feel like I should watch those now. Like, that sounds hot. (laughs) You should at least watch all of season one because Natalie Dormer shows up and Natalie Dormer is like the hottest weird looking woman alive. And <laughs> she really is. She also has weird sexual chemistry with Lucy Liu. Yeah. I that's yeah. the one thing I know about that show because of like all of like the gift sets yeah. on Tumblr from years and years ago. It was just yeah. always Natalie Dormer like painting in like a white shirt or something. That's like all I have in that, my mind is that yeah, I can see that in my head. Um now I, we already kind of talked about Mackenzie Davis and, like, how she's not really given stuff. But in general, I do want to say about this character, like, cannot overstate how unlikable this character is. And I have to wonder. So unlikable. No redeeming qualities. She reminded me of all my work taxes. <laughs> yeah. But they are out. <laughs> Somehow works. But there's, like, so many times where I was, like, wondering to myself, like, did they intend for her to be this terrible? And then I'm like, well, the ending would imply, no, that they think she's an okay character who has some faults, rather than being just, like, a general, like, not great person. Because it's, like, all she does throughout this movie is, like, make horrible decisions, abandon Abby, not be a great girlfriend. Like, I mean, I just... I don't understand. And it's like, they don't let them ever be happy. They don't let them ever have like a moment or two. Like there's like literally two moments in this movie where they get to like be a couple. Right. And you're like, Oh, okay. I understand. And then outside of that, it's like all just like, why are they together? I don't understand. And I feel like the biggest problem is that Abby gets to have like an inner self and like an inner life. Right. Like we get to see kind of everything she's going through. We get to see her like voice her concerns to Riley and to, to John, which feels weird calling Dan Levy John because he's he's not he does not look like a John. Not a John. Um, but like you get to see her like voice these concerns to everybody, and then like like Harper doesn't get the same sort of chance. So you're sitting there wondering why is she doing these horrible things? What's going on? And it isn't until like the end of the movie where she goes on about how like you know, my parents always wanted us to be perfect and this, that, the other thing. And I'm like, oh, so that's why you've been terrible, like, for the majority of this movie? Yeah. Like, it's, like, very weird. Like, I understand that she mentions that kind of early on. Like, I don't want to cause trouble, like, because my dad, you know, wanted to run for mayor or whatever. But I almost wonder, like, how do you make her better? And I think the only thing I think of is you have to really drive home that part of it. You have to be, like, she's being yeah. selfless. She wants to, like, she's being selfless. She's never, like done a good thing for herself she's always concerned about others and then like also that she has these really high expectations to mate and then you do less of the abandoning and like the rude Mm -hmm. shit and then you have a character that is redeemable in some quality she doesn't have to be perfect but it's like 
I would understand more. She's at least likable. Like, you have to understand her yeah. intention. Like, yeah. Like, even the stuff with, like, Connor, which is the ex, where it's, like, I'm sitting there, like, because they do a horrible job of, like, ever trying to dispel, like, is she not into him? Like, is she, like, considering yeah. things? And I'm, like, yeah. you could at least have a moment where she's, like, thinking about, like, thinking about him only because that would mean, like, a, quote, normal heterosexual life, right? Rather than, like, the possibility of having to come out to her parents and possibly ruining everything for them and for herself, right? Like, but they don't do anything like that. It's just, like, oh, she's, like, making bad decisions and she's, like, not a great girlfriend. Like, that's all I'm getting from this. Yeah, and I will say, like, with the stuff with Connor, who I should say for a moment of levity – I thought it was Jonathan Groff when we started watching the movie and I said out loud to my girlfriend, is that Jonathan Groff? She was like, what the oh fuck do you think he looks my like? God. And then I oh looked at my the character and I realized this is the second time I've seen him in a movie and thought he was Jonathan Groff. The first one was Lady Bird. Star of Aquamarine and bringing on all or nothing, Jake McDormand. I, I've seen Greek too. Like I know I, who he is. I loved Greek. And yet every time I see him on screen, I'm like, Jonathan Groff. <laughs> this is a shocking revelation. Yeah. There's also, also um, the baby in the, uh, well, not the baby, but like the grown up version of the baby Hello? in, um, oh my God, Bossy? what's that show? Clonus Bergen. Murphy Brown. He was like her son all grown up in the, re- like in the, not the reboot, but like the sequel series that they did semi recently. And then he was also he's also in what we do in the shadows as, you know, like yeah. her former lover Gregor. Gregor. I can't believe he's Jonathan Groff. <laughs> it's, just, it's the type of movie that Jonathan Groff would do, so like I understand that. I, like, but... I thought it would be cute if he was also gay. Like I yeah. thought that would be a fun twist and then that didn't happen, no. which was kind of annoying because I was like Here's an idea that I have to make this better, and it seems obvious, they but it didn't like, do it. Yeah, they didn't do it. Um, but the stuff with him, like those scenes were really weird because I understand that compet is a drug, and it can be like even after you've realized that you're gay and you've been like out in whatever capacity for a while and you're like in love with a woman you've been with her for a while like spending time with people that you used to feel romantically towards can be weird even if you're like oh I was I only had a crush on you because I like made myself have a crush on Mm -hmm. you because like that was easier in my case it's like because you looked like a lesbian and I hadn't (laughs) realized that I was a lesbian (laughs) a lot of people who fall under that category for me Mm -hmm. um But it's weird because you have that memory, that emotional memory. Um, And so I can see that being the case for Harper and Connor. Mm -hmm. But I also felt like there was a weird will they, won't they vibe. Yes. That's what it was 100%. It was so strange. I was like, what is this doing in this film? It's very clear that she's like not interested in being with him. And I feel like it would have been like you know she's an established lesbian like it would have been better for her to just like be entertaining like being friends with him and like hanging out with her whole group of friends and not just him alone and like I I feel like that would have gotten the point across more that like when she's home she falls into her high school self yeah the way it was presented I was just like I don't understand why this element is here I don't like it like it's making me feel very uncomfortable (laughs) 
Agree. Yeah, like I don't expect this movie to spoon feed me, but the problem is that I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't understand any of these characters' decisions. Like I don't understand any of of Harper's decisions. Like unless I really dig in deep and think about, well, this is what this could mean, you know, like, like you're talking compad and like having this established relationship with him. And then possibly my own inference of like her thinking about like, it would have just been easier, you know, maybe if I'd never, you know, come out or if I'd never, you know, accepted who I was. And like, maybe if I just dated a man for the rest of my life, like I wouldn't have to be in this dilemma that I'm in right now. Right. And this is like torturous for me. Right. Trying to like deal with all the things happening right now, but it's like, you're not given anything it's like so frustrating how good this movie could have been yeah i think it's really like first baby's first screenplay like syndrome because like claire duvall wrote like one yeah she wrote like one other thing but mary holland hasn't and i feel like they just like have didn't there was something that didn't connect and i I just oh wait claire duvall basically said in an interview that she doesn't watch lesbian movies like she didn't say it in those words but she was like I can't think of a single other like lesbian movie with a happy ending like since but I'm a cheerleader which is just a categorically wrong statement like Um, and a lot of those movies are made by like filmmakers who are people of color and it's just like it's it's Clea get your shit together yeah oh she very much went into this and was like, I want to make a holiday lesbian movie with a happy ending and just didn't think about, like Harper's a plot device for the happy ending. She's yeah, not a person. Yeah. No. Like she's just a stand in to like make Kristen Stewart happy at the end of the movie, but also go way too, like, cause I know there needs to be conflict for you to like yeah. root for the main couple, but this was just like, like such a, sh- such a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. and someone on twitter i saw was like oh you know like abby should have like you know when she first told her that she wasn't out to her family abby should have been like okay like what do you need me to do how can i help you and like approached it with understanding and i i don't disagree with that but the problem is that everything that she does after the point at which they're in the car is like taking her further and further away from like i understand that you are scared and a lot of people have experienced this and felt the same way to just like, oh, even if you were out, you'd be a really bad girlfriend. Like the part where she yeah, flips right. out exactly. on Abby for like worrying about her is just like. I know. I was like, she's trying to be a good girlfriend. Get the fuck out of here. Like she is trying to be nice to you. You have this like nice golden retriever girlfriend who's like caring about you mm-hmm. when like you've given her nothing. And, like, brought her into this terrible situation. She's just trying to be nice. And then you're just, like, peace out. Yeah. And I'm like, why? No. Um, I do want to talk just a little bit more about Kristen Stewart specifically. Just because Kristen Stewart is someone I've, I have a – I don't want to say love-hate because, like, I don't – whatever. But, like, <laughs> my thing with Kristen Stewart is that I class her often with a league of actors – where I watch them in a movie and I can recognize that what they're doing is good work, but I don't like, they never disappear for me. Right. Like she's just always Kristen Stewart to me. And I think part of it is because like, I always have twilight on the brain, unfortunately. (laughs) So (laughs) that doesn't help. But my thing is I went in with, you know, not knowing what to expect from her. I was kind of like, ah, like Kristen Stewart being like the co-lead of this movie. Like, I don't know. Like I love Mackenzie Davis. I don't know about Kristen Stewart though. 
And like, even though I recognize that her work in personal shoppers great, and like, I recognize that she's done good work elsewhere. It's just hard for me to really get into the, the Kristen Stewart, you know, hype. And then I watched this movie and I'm like, she's great. Like, she's really, really great. Like I actually really believed her as the character. She felt like a different person to me. It didn't feel like I was just watching Kristen Stewart, which is wild because she doesn't do anything transformative physically. She just really like disappeared into the role for me. And I feel like it was interesting seeing her in this, because I haven't seen the Charlie's Angels reboot um, and I will never. So oh don't God, ask me to watch it. But oh my God, no, please. <laughs> But like, I I know in that movie, she also is a little bit more charming and gets to be a little bit more fun. And so it was nice to see her just be like, I don't know, to be like, like, desperately in love with somebody and also just like struggling with that, but also like really endearing and like really funny at times. And like, she has some really great line deliveries in this movie and gets to be funny. And I really, really liked that. And so I was like, okay, maybe I've changed my mind to Kristen Stewart, I guess. Okay. I mean, it's funny that yeah. you say that, like, she never disappears into the character for you because I I would never want to hang out with Kristen Stewart or date her in real life. Like, she's yeah. cheated on every girlfriend she's ever oh, yeah. had. Like, 100%. Literally, you know, like, I like I think she's hot, but I would never want to date her. But, like, oh, when no, she's yeah. in a movie, I'm like, yes, that's my adorable girlfriend. Like, I love her so yeah. much. I would die for this character. So, like, for me, it's like she always disappears into the character for me in the sense for that sure. I get to forget what Kristen Stewart is like in real life. Um, and Kristen, <laughs> if you're reading this, don't sue me for slender. But, you know, like, but, I, yeah. yeah, I think she's a, she's, she has really good comedic, like, timing and senses. Um, I did see Charlie's Angels, obviously, and it was a very stupid movie, but she is also very funny in it. <laughs> Personal Shopper, I did not understand, but I also liked her work in the movie that I did not understand. I like any movie where yeah. someone has a romantic affair with a ghost. Yeah, like, that's my go. shit. I watched a Christmas movie where that was spot the other day. It was oh, The Spirit of Christmas? That's my favorite fucking one. I love that shit. <laughs> I'm like scared to watch that. I want to watch it, but I'm so my my mother and I watch it every year. Hot ghost, baby. He's I love it. I love a bootlegging (laughs) prohibition. Yes, (laughs) it's it's in every box. The only thing that can make it better is if it was gay. Like honestly, honestly. I also have to ask, what do we think about Mary Steen version in this movie? Because first of all, she's just there. First of all, the <laughs> hair, doing her thing. the hair. Once I again, hair. yeah. Like, oh, what is what is with the wig that they put this poor woman in? Also, they have her carrying around an iPad the entire movie, and she's so obsessed with getting a portrait of the family, and yet one never invests in a professional photographer. And she, no, she uses a fucking iPad. She has them take it on an iPad, not even an iPhone, I, an iPad. I actually found deeply realistic because I used to it's be. True. Um, I used to work as a fan photographer at the Mets Stadium, mm-hmm. and it's exactly what it sounds like. I took pictures of the fans. I did it on a Nikon. And I would see a lot of people who were taking pictures with their iPads. Like, they brought yeah. them to a baseball game, which is insane to me. It truly. You like, bring your iPad anywhere, but especially to City Field. Um, but yeah. like, even people who were like, no, I don't want you to take, a, like, a picture of me with your camera camera. Like, can you just use my iPad? And I was like, excuse me? 
Like I'll do it, but I don't, oh, oh. I don't get this. And now I have an iPad and I hate taking pictures on it because it's just, it's so clunky. Yeah. Um, so unwieldy. It does have a very like boomer mom vibe to it. Yes. 100%. Like, yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, like my grandma got rid of her internet and computer and only uses an iPad. So <laughs> I guess it is realistic. Yeah, for sure. I feel like Mary Steenberg, this is like a, a role that she was like born for. Like she really, this is like She's her very bread and butter. Like it's her bread and butter. Tipper, I died. Tipper, yes. I could not believe Tipper. it. I didn't hear her name at first and I just saw the subtitles kept calling her Tipper and I'm like, wait a second, what? <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing and I was like, hello? This is like the problem with this movie. Like it has such a good cast. They're mm-hmm. almost entirely perfectly cast. Yes. Like pretty much every single the, person. Yeah. Love Victor Garber as the dad. I love, love Victor him. Garber. Yeah. Icon. I wish they were my parents, but like not like that. Yeah, exactly. Not like a different called. version of them I would like to be my parents. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would like to present a question and it's uh does Dan Levy join the ranks of people who just play themselves and everything? I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. True. And, like, I, I don't hate it. I love him. At but the same yeah. time, I, like, the character is Dan Levy. Like, he's not yeah. playing something like that's different script as himself. He's literally playing himself because it's the script. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wonder. I would like to like see if he can like act act, but yes, I want yeah. to see him in more things. Like give the, him more things to do. The closest I, we get is that speech, and even then, I mean, it's just him giving a heartfelt speech. Really, you know, it's like yeah. which he does in Shit's Creek. Yeah, and like, like he's he's funny and he's entertaining, he's engaging, but like I don't, I think unless he can show that he has like real range, I have a feeling this is going to be a part he does. Very often. His his stuff about the, like, engagement and patriarchy and stuff also was, like, it felt like lip service that could have been more fun. Because that is, like, a very real conversation, like, in yes. the queer community is, like, you know, like, we have marriage equality legally now, but, like, is that something that we want or that we should have been mm-hmm. fighting for? And, like, I mean, I personally, like, fall, unfortunately, towards the, like, I love assimilating into straight culture in this specific way. Um, but like, it's a very real thing. That's not like, like you can make jokes about it, but at the same time, if you're going to bring it up in a movie, maybe do it in a way that's like slightly less, I don't know. Like just don't bring it up maybe, especially cause he changes his mind at the end. Like yeah. although I agree with him that asking her father for permission to propose makes no fucking sense. Like that was a really weird plot point. Really yeah. weird. Not included that. I think also really, really it weird. just like all it does is it's like he's shaming her. That's like all that's happening and it's mm-hmm. not like a real conversation and it's like they couldn't give him anything else to talk about besides tracking people and like shaming her. Like it was like they yeah. like it was like they they didn't know what else to do with her. Thought. He was very much an He's truly like, just. Oh shit, we have to have the token gay best friend who's like calling us out on hijinks. He's, he's basically the MacGuffin because he shows up <laughs> to like, get her out of there. That's literally like his main purpose. And like the tracking thing is planted on very early on in the movie. And you think it's a joke, like just a joke and nothing else. And then it's like, oh no, like he was serious and like yeah. here he is to go get her or whatever. Um, 
but yeah, I interesting, interesting. I, Similarly, to how I thought Jake McDormand should have been gay, I think that his character should have gotten together with Dan Levy. Okay, their yeah. interactions were great. I love that. I love when he yeah. asked him, <laughs> "How much do you bench or whatever?" And he was like, "A thousand. <laughs> That did make me laugh. I was like, oh, that's fun. I want more of that. Like, It is funny because this movie genuinely, like, at several points is hilarious and, like, is actually, like, the comedy is pretty well written. Like, for what this movie ended up being, like, I'm shocked at how good the comedy is, right? Like, for sure. normally it would be the other way. It would be the comedy is good. It would be the comedy's bad, but, like, the other stories are kind of, like, the other stuff's kind of working, you know? But for some reason, the comedy is just so much more well done here than it is you know, with the other stuff. But because like, like I said, this is a movie of shenanigans. Like we can just like basically get into this, like the plot, yeah. because the first, one of the first big like quote set pieces is after they've gone on this like tour um, where it's like this? of the light. <laughs> Mackenzie Davis, of course, is like obsessed with Christmas, loves Christmas so much. And her whole thing is that she wants to make Abby love Christmas just like she does. Right. So then she's like, she sees this like darkened house and is like, wait a second. And so she runs and like, she's like, let's get on top of this house. And then they just sit on the roof of this random stranger's house, just chilling. And then of course they're like, Hey, what are you doing up there? Someone catches them. And so then they have to get off the roof. And Kristen Stewart straight up does like a, like a Clark Griswold in Christmas vacation. And is like hanging off the side of the freaking house. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, I had what a way to start this, like truly. Um, like three stooges bit. Like that's what I was getting. But then when the thing is when that first happens, you're like, what kind of movie is this gonna be? And then when it when that kind of stuff yeah. keeps happening, you're like, okay, I get it. Like I like this stuff. This is probably the least miserable part of this movie because it's like there's stuff happening, it's funny, and like you don't have to think about how miserable everybody is, except for like that final fight, which is like really fun until like the thing happens right um but like yeah like i i like i liked that she's like hanging off the edge she falls on like the inflatable snowman i even love that the person was like are you peeping or something like that like says something about peeping which i just found hilarious because i love when people say peeping (laughs) (laughs) some days i can't deal with it And then they like <laughs> run away. Oh, and oh, she's like, you pervert. It's like, are you peeping, you pervert? And then, and then of course, yeah, the big reveal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I, I enjoyed. Really was just, yeah, that was fun. I was like, this is so silly. What am I watching? Exactly. And um, I also forgot to mention this movie opens with like a Sia song, which it should be illegal to do so, especially in this economy. So mm-hmm. I, when that came on, I was like, after her meltdown oh, no. on Twitter, really? It's yeah, not, you couldn't literally. just change it? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh no. And this clip could have replaced it with, they could have replaced it with, it's not Christmas till somebody cries, which should have been on the soundtrack. Agree. Honestly. Noted yes. ally of the days. Put that on the soundtrack. Noted. Give Carly Rae Jepsen a sword, yes. I did enjoy the reveal um, in the title cards, which I didn't pay attention to the first time that mm-hmm. I watched this, and then I did when I rewatched it today. Yeah. That they did they did wait nine and a half months to move in together, which there is like a, an eternity in lesbian lifetimes. <laughs> um, and when I tweeted it. that, my girlfriend said, "We moved in together after a year and a month, you weirdo." And I was like, <laughs> "Leave me alone." She called you out. She, she said, "I have out. receipts, babe." <laughs> <laughs> like I have receipts. They're called rent payments. 
I love that. But yeah, like, so after that, like, whole, like, stunt thing that happens, like, they're, like, making out. And she's like, come with me to my parents' house for Christmas. And, oh, it'll be so great. And, like, I want to wake up next to you on Christmas morning. And you're like, oh, like, okay, this is, like, cute. Okay, great. Like, good for them. Whatever. And then, of course, the next day in their gigantic apartment, which is, like, beautiful and, like, Nicely decorated. It's perfect. It's wonderful. I went Such to a good apartment. I was like, time to move to Pittsburgh. I know. But the, that's when it's like the next day and, and she's sort of come down from that bliss and she's like realizing what she's like asked of Abby. And she's like, I'm actually like, no, you don't have to come. Like, no pressure. Like, no big deal. Whatever. Um, you know, and, and I think. And Abby thinks it's like herself because, you know, she doesn't really like Christmas or whatever, but she like really wants to go. She's like, no, totally. I'll go. It'll be great. Like we're gonna have a great time. Um, and then you get like Dan Levy doing some stuff. You know, talking about like, if the NSA can do it, so can I <laughs> talking about tracking the guy who's in his apartment who he wants to leave. That was very it's really good. I really, really like that. I was like, <laughs> I, I, the first time I watched this, I watched this with uh, my friend Kylie and she was like, that's you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and and also like they're walking together and then they go to a jewelry shop and that's like the big reveal, of course, of like, oh, she's gonna Abby wants to propose to Harper. And she has a ring and everything she's picked out. I hated that ring. It it was fine. ring. Dancy was right about it. Like the ring was, was like right. why? Honestly, um, I would be more worried about her rejecting the proposal because the ring was ugly. So yeah. Well, but at the same time, it's like totally like what Harper deserves. So. <laughs> yeah. Also, why are you buying an engagement ring without like having discussed like getting engaged at all? Like that. Yeah. Like, That's a little. There's mm-hmm. gotta be something. You're just gonna. It's a weird. He- it's like a heterosexual trope. It's a heterosexual movie yeah. trope. Yeah. Like, I a lot of lesbians that I know did like simultaneous proposals often by accident but you can do that because you've discussed it beforehand yeah right and that's again what you were saying about how she's never watched like lesbian movies like (laughs) (laughs) here we are yeah yeah i'm fully convinced at this point that she just watches like like straight hallmark christmas movies and that's it because that's the only other thing that like explains why she felt so passionate about having a gay Christmas movie, like yeah, yeah. No one, I no one asked for this. It's no. it's also just very wild that she's planning to propose and she hasn't even met her family, like in any capacity. Mm-hmm. It's like wow, you know wow. nothing about this woman, <laughs> like, and you're ready to just risk it all, Abby. Good for you, I guess. Whatever. I wish you luck in that decision. Sure. And this is, of course, when they're in the car on the way to Christmas. This is when, you know, Harper's like, remember when I, like, came out to my parents over the summer and everything was great and happy? Yeah, actually, no, I didn't do that because, you know, like, I freaked out. My dad said he was going to run for mayor and I didn't want to ruin it. And, you know, I didn't want to rock the boat, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I understand chickening out. Totally get it. Totally understand it. Like coming out, obviously a very personal thing. And, you know, sometimes the timing isn't right and it really is up to you. But why would you do this in the car on the way to take her to meet your family? Like you're just asking for everything to go horribly wrong. Like it's just 
such a strange choice. But to begin with, why wouldn't you tell her this to begin with? Because then you could at least plan, like, make a backstory, cover all your bases, be on the same page. But clearly these two do not communicate. Like, you gotta, if you're going to make her, like, have a cover story, like, you got to have her in on it. Because clearly you said she's not a good liar. And, like, we see that when, like, we we first get to the house and she's like, oh, I've had many boyfriends. And you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) this is not going well. Yeah, like, yeah. help. <laughs> and, like, this movie it, could have been five minutes. It could have literally been like, oh, yeah, I didn't come out to my parents, um, but we're on the way anyway. And then Kristen Stewart would have been like, um, turn this car around right now. This is the end of the movie. Goodbye. <laughs> Done. We have a lot sure. to talk about. Yeah. And she even says, no thanks. And then, of course, asks, it's five days. How bad can it be? Girl, you don't even know how bad hey. it can be. You're going to find out. Honey, you got a big storm coming. <laughs> It was honestly so shitty that Harper didn't just turn around and like drop her. Like, guys, why are you making her go? Abby doesn't have a car. It seems like she can't drive. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's so, like, she basically trapped her in the suburbs, which is so shitty on so many levels. So real. Especially, like, considering the amount of abandoning she does throughout this movie. It's like, yeah, rideshare is a thing, but it's like, she shouldn't have to rely on that because her girlfriend doesn't pay any attention to her and is constantly yeah. just leaving her alone places. <laughs> like, are you Literally. serious? Um, but this is also then, of course, where we meet Tipper, Mary Steenburgen's character, um, who is taking pictures with her iPad, of course. And uh, this is when we get this like whole like insensitive jokes. Um, well, not insensitive jokes in that like the movies like – being insensitive on purpose but that the characters are being insensitive i want to clarify that but i guess you can view it either way um but like she's saying things like oh yeah we're always happy to open our doors to those in need and like stuff it's like that so uncomfortable terrible and of course we meet jane the sister uh victor garber legend icon etc um and introduces Damn. abby as harper's orphan friend what? Like. How terrible can you be, right? Like I have see, here's the thing. I have been to many of my friends' homes over holidays because I lived very far away from my mm-hmm. family. No one has ever been like, oh, you're their orphan friend. <laughs> what? Who says that? You're just like, oh, like, thank you for coming. Like, it's so strange. It's very weird too, because then it makes like her because she genuinely is very nasty with these comments. And like even if she like didn't mean to be nasty, they still come across as like nasty comments. So then like at the end when she's like crying about how like, oh, of course, like Harper is afraid that we won't love her anymore, you know, and like going on about how all the girls like are very upset and clearly have these like deep-seated feelings about, you know, their family and like how they've been expected to be all their lives right um it's like it's hard for me to be like yeah like I feel you like I feel bad or whatever or like I feel sympathy for you because you've just been terrible the whole movie like that's not even like because you make those kind of comments you know exactly what you're doing like it was just the way that they're phrased it I could never for a second believe that she's saying that because she's ignorant to what she's saying you know what I mean they're still like horrible wasps like, they're like yes. they're they're not even like Megan McCain like Republicans like 
You know what I mean? Like Megan McCain being like, I'm an honorary Rue girl. It's like, shut the fuck up, oh bitch. They're, like Dick, they're Dick Cheney Republicans. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I am my gay daughter, but I still don't care for the other gays. Yeah. Yes. Um, and of course, like we talk about Sloan a little bit, who's Allison Bree's character who uh, quit her job at the law firm to make gift baskets, <laughs> gift baskets, and that's like her whole thing. And she's on Goop, and it's whatever. a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get the reveal of Harper's high school boyfriend just in a framed picture in Harper's room. Um, wild yeah and then of course you get the question do you have a boyfriend abby and then like Kristen stewart having to say having to say uh he he was a milkman which i found to be so funny i was dying i was like i cannot watch this i'm so uncomfortable please someone make her stop (laughs) one of the things that i found like extra funny about that is that Kristen stewart is bisexual in real life like she's not a lesbian she just yeah. dates a lot of women and I found it like very because she's so like synonymous with like gay women now yes. um it's like very funny to like because of course when Dan Levy's like have they ever seen a lesbian before I'm like yeah like <laughs> and not be like gay but it's like she's not gay which just like adds like kind of a layer of humor to it for yeah me definitely then the, oh, and then they like shove her in the basement to sleep in. They're like, you can't sleep with Harper. Like, I would never put two grown women in the same room or whatever. So sleep in the basement where we used to keep Jane, so she wouldn't like come out and like bite people or whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> <laughs> she like night terrors or something. I might be like confusing the biting with the night terrors, but it's all the same in the end. Same fucking I mean, thing. Either way, it's like child abuse. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And then we get the dinner, which of course Connor's there, who is Harper's ex, played by <laughs> not Jonathan Groff. <laughs> I cannot. That is, oh. um, <laughs> that was truly a wonderful reveal. I love that so much. Um, and like, of course, like it's just awkward because clearly, like the parents love him, and like they tell that story about how like Harper and Connor both had chicken pox. Like he got it from her, and they spent the whole weekend in this like cabin together, and like. It's just very uncomfortable. And Harper excuses her and Abby to go to the bathroom. And she's like, I apologize. I didn't know he was going to be here. And I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mention him, like, in that chicken pox story and all that stuff. No surprises. And then, of course, open the bathroom door. And there's Riley, Harper's (sighs) first ever girlfriend. Just looking hot as hell. Aubrey so Plaza looking like a snack throughout this entire movie. Even when there's one scene where they do the rudest lighting on her I've ever seen in a movie, she looks incredible. <laughs> Unbelievable. Reading rom com one. Honestly. I do really want to watch Ingrid Goes West now. Yes, a great movie, which we definitely a have to cover on this movie. podcast because I love it. Yeah, it's on our list. It's on our list of things to do. Our list is very long. It's very long. There's so many things <laughs> happening. There's so many books and pictures. <laughs> So many. Yeah. And this is not necessarily one of them, but this is not no, one. No, I would say black. it's like person picture. Yeah. <laughs> but like, she's just so well cast in this movie. And she's just like, because truly, who else could give you that energy of like, yeah, like I would leave my yeah. girlfriend for this woman? Like, she yeah, really is like so good at convincing you that obviously, like, Harper's character isn't like 
like does a pretty good job at convincing you why she should not be with her. But like they make Aubrey Plaza just like so compelling and so interesting and like just so much more interesting that you're like, this is the woman that she should be with. No doubt. Like, cause literally everyone was like justice for Riley on Twitter after this movie came yeah. out. So I wish I remember- she didn't end up with her. If I remember correctly, like, apparently Clea Duvall was, like, totally taken aback by the fact that people ship Abby yeah. and Riley. She was like, it's never crossed my mind. Yeah. I'm like, did you watch your own movie? Like, it's, it's really interesting, though, that you say that, that she, like, didn't realize that there would be that kind of reaction to that character. And I'm like, that is wild to me. I can't imagine watching those dailies and being like, yeah. well, no one's going to really care about Aubrey Plaza, so... Yeah, I think it was so in the same interview where she said that like the focus was a super happy ending. That was always like mm-hmm. I think she literally had like major tunnel vision, and that's yeah. also perhaps why she can't see like why people hate Harper so much and don't want them to be together. Like, like the ending is just so unearned. But I guess we can get to that. Yeah. yeah. Later. <laughs> And then we get like Alice and Bree's oh. weird children. Who so they're... Why did they look like they were from The Shining? Like they were like Uncanny Valley. It was kind of like the, it was like the Jane thing with the children. It was like they were also yeah. just like weird without yeah. any explanation. Like very strange. I will say Alice and Bree is really great as like the goopy, like kind of like super mommy who is like perfect and has to like give the kids organic shit whatever like she's really great in that part um even though the character is like kind of completely detestable but like yeah i didn't have a problem with her although it's just wild that these children are just like standing at the end of the bed just staring yeah also girl mostly was wonderful yeah another Mm -hmm. example of like great cast what the fuck did you do with them yeah Exactly. It's like I recognized him from somewhere and then I realized it was Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. A great... Ugh, I love A much better portrait of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. And then we like get the whole thing with which is like, oh, the dad needs to get a big donor. That's like the whole point, right? Like he yeah. has to like impress this mm-hmm. donor. So it's all hands on deck to be like the perfect family to get this donor to donate to his campaign. Yeah. And it- Cause they like talk about how like, oh yeah, there's a big party tonight and like, oh, the donor will be there. I need you all to look good. You know, whatever. There's also like a pointed comment upon rewatch that I remember where it was like there, he was talking about oh, all the girls are together, all my good girls, whatever. And then like, he was talking about like, how essentially like Sloan's kids are the only grandkids he'll possibly ever have. And then there's a shot yeah. where like the two of them look at each other, like Harper and Abby. And it's sort of like, yeah. Cause that's like one of the like, few times where I'm like, okay, you could do something interesting with that. Give Harper more to do, give Harper something interesting there, because that could be like something that's like hard for her personally to hear something like that from her dad. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, it's never, yeah. we're not given anything else. Um mm-hmm. And then, like, we get just a whole scene of shenanigans where Sloane and Harper are, like, racing at the ice skating rink. And that's, like, the whole scene. (laughs) Yeah. So strange. Like, I see stuff like this in this movie where I'm, like, it's funny. But in the context of the movie, I'm, like, why is this happening? I'm, like, where is the cut of this movie where they've come out super early and then it's just nothing but, like, Christmas vacation style shenanigans? Like, why, why are we doing this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Not that they can't exist in the same film, but it's like they don't do a very good job of like blending the two together so that they work together. It just feels like I'm watching disparate parts 
of a movie. Agree. Yeah. A little bit. Then, like, we get the actual party. And the first thing is that, like, of course, Harper immediately abandons Abby because for some reason her dad needs her to go talk with the donor. I get he she's like the favorite so donor. Uncomfortable. But it's very <laughs> weird. The whole point is that Anna Gasteyer's, you know, like, well, as a donor, I want to make sure I pick the right you know, I picked the right pony for this race. Right. And I look at the whole family because whoever she had backed previously, it was like, there was like a, there was some sort of drunken accident or something like that. It was like something Mm -hmm. very specific where it was like a member of the family did something bad. And so then that kind of derailed everything, which is weird because it's like, other than the stuff with like the mall, which we'll get to, um, it's like, there's not really any behavior besides the final fight that it's like, has any sort of connection to that. I feel like a better movie would have like followed up on that. Yeah, this is not that movie, unfortunately. No. And then like Abby's ditched. That's like everything that's happening at the party. And then she ends up talking on the phone to John about like everything that's happening, of course. And Riley is just like hiding behind a bush drinking coffee or hot cocoa or something. (laughs) And it comes over and it's like like what's going on like I definitely like didn't hear your entire conversation and know exactly what you're going through Mm -hmm. yeah sure I I just have like so many questions for like what is happening in this film yeah I know (laughs) so many but it's like this is the this is like the first time you get the recognition of like Riley being like okay she's definitely Harper's girlfriend she's probably going something similar to what I went through and so that was kind of an interesting start to that like relationship connection whatever between the two of them I Mm -hmm. think like just to see like that's kind of the seeds that their their friendship is built on like having this shared experience right um yeah but also I will say there's a very funny line where you know Sloan's asking Abby about like how her and Harper are roommates but like they live in a one bedroom and she's like (laughs) we converted the pantry that was very funny I laughed about that and Sloan is just like Okay. I don't care. I don't want to hear about this. That's like literally, she's like, I, do, I really don't care. I'm moving on. Goodbye. But I could have easily just been like, my bed's in the living room. Yeah, really? Yeah. I sleep on a pull-out couch. Like something. Like pantry. Yeah. She, again, she's not a good liar. A bad liar. So endearing. And then like Victor Garber gives a speech. Um, the most Republican speech ever committed to film. It's basically being like, we have to like preserve the family unit. You know, it's like, you might as well just say that. You know what I mean? It's like so explicitly like anti-LGBT and it's just very weird. And I don't, like I get it, but to like then have him be the sympathetic character at the end. But that's like, you only get these little things and sprinkles. It's like, that's the most we ever see of his rhetoric. And it's so just like- And I think it sort of ties back to one of the really big criticisms of the movie, which is that the cast is so white. Yeah. Um, And like people have different takes on that. Like I have seen some people be like, like this is a very specifically like white experience, like the waspy family. Like, why would you want to throw like actors of color, like into this narrative? Mm -hmm. But there are actors of color like in the narrative. Like you have Helen's husband who is black and their kids are black. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's hooking up with what is she the campaign manager who's brown yeah. and who I really enjoy every time I see her in a movie or tv show mm-hmm. and she's just I, great yeah I I hope she gets a actual starring role in something good soon because she's delightful yeah but like oh, great. 
Um, like the whiteness is on the one hand, like true to life, but also I think it also kind of reflects like the fact that I don't, I just don't think Clea Duvall went into this with a mindset of like, this is white and Republican on purpose. She's like, but these are the villains. Yeah, they're the redeemable yeah. villains, but they're still like conservative bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like doesn't address anything else when in real life, people like that would probably also not approve of their daughter and marrying a black man yeah. and having like black grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah, probably wouldn't no have a campaign manager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like Aubrey Plaza is latina but that's also not something brought into the film at any point no uh, yeah which like uh, yeah i don't know i just like on, it's there's I, not a ton of nuance yeah. there's not a lot like like the film doesn't ever there's seek no to, talk to anything yeah. yeah the film doesn't ever seek to question it doesn't yeah. ever seek to challenge it's just like oh here it is and like you're like and I'm sitting there wondering, meanwhile, like, oh, like, is every person here just here because they know the family? Are they here because they're genuinely interested? Mm-hmm. Like, but um, but it's one of those things where it's just like I feel like the film would have benefited from an understanding of like being queer is not the only axis of oppression. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I I feel like Clea Duvall's thing was like she was so set on creating like a gay holiday movie that everyone needs that she just like didn't think about who everyone is mm-hmm, like this 100%. is not a gay holiday movie that I want or need yeah like okay. similar, like th- sorry this is like something that's been like building in my head ever since I rewatched it today and now I'm yeah. like going on a rant but I can save it for later if you want no. <laughs> but like I mentioned before that I was like raised Jewish but in an interfaith household but I feel often and like as though you get one thing you get one minority thing like mm-hmm. you have a Hanukkah movie but it's a straight couple you have a gay movie but it's still about Christmas yeah and it's something that really frustrates me because I want to see like the holiday movies that I need to see are about people like me who mm-hmm. like come from interfaith backgrounds or like are just straight up Jewish and they're also gay <laughs> like I I don't consider it to have been necessary and I feel like it literally is just a regular like Hallmark movie but with like a lesbian couple at the forefront and it's not that like that's not going to be valuable to some people because it is like everyone should be themselves like represented on screen but it's also not the most necessary movie and the press around this was all like this is like the lesbian rom-com holiday movie that everyone needs. It's like, no one needs the Christmas industrial complex. Like this is the kind of shit that leads to people being like, Christmas is a secular holiday. And it's like, no, it's Mm -hmm. not like, you're just not questioning it. Um, And so justice for Dan Levy's character, who is obviously Jewish because he is obviously Dan Levy. Like you can't look at those eyebrows and be like, yep, that's a goy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my thing too is like people i and i mostly see this from straight people talking about this movie um or people who just like aren't very um how do i put this they're not well versed beyond like white feminists you know what i mean and like it's like 
oh, well, we should just be happy we're getting this. This is like the first big mainstream, you know, rom-com, you know, that's got lesbians at the center of it. You know, we should be happy about that. Like holiday season wise, at least we should be happy about that. Like, why does it have to be this big, deep thing? And I'm like, because we should be allowed to ask for more. Like it's okay to ask for a movie like this to have more to it just because it's the first yeah, we don't have to settle doesn't, for this yeah, like, doesn't mean we have to settle for a very basic narrative and even though it's their like first like I know it's not Clay Duvall's first screenplay she has like one other but like even though I have seen many people's first screenplays that have so much more nuance and thought behind it than this like this felt like she opened final draft and was like la dee da yeah. and like put it out and that's it I would add to that also that because you were saying that like this is the major release, right? Um, there are at least two, maybe more, I am not sure, movies also centered on lesbian couples and about the holidays yeah. that came out this winter. And I will also say that I haven't watched either of them yet mm-hmm. because Same. my homework come out so yet. New York Christmas Wedding is out. That's on okay. Netflix now. I'm I think I hate New Year's like just came out but I'm not sure where to watch it yet but I really want to um but like they both have lead actors like I'm like a really much more diverse cast than this movie like but they weren't getting the big theater push and so like and I think I like I want to actually pay attention to New York Christmas Wedding, which is why I haven't watched it yet. Because mm-hmm. like when I put on Hallmark movies, it's like, well, I'm working, so I can just the plot is very easy to follow. But like, yeah, the fact that these exist, but Happiest Season is the one that we're all talking about, yeah. is such a disservice. Like, yeah, not to get into like my soapbox, but you know, people talk all the time. Um, or have been talking recently about, you know, the Warner stuff and HBO Max and are like, you know, oh, like the small movies, you know, might get made more because the big movies, like they won't have as much money. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like it's not going to result in smaller movies getting made more. It's just going to result in the bigger movies getting more promo and more airtime, even more so than they already have because they want subscribers. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, we're never gonna get. This is exactly movie. what happened with this because it was supposed to come out in theaters for the holiday yeah. season, and they already had all that promo lined up. Yep. Like, so yeah. now it's like, oh, it's this big deal. This this big movie that was supposed to come out is on Hulu now. So like the other holiday movies that are kind of similar aren't really paid attention to because it's like it, they were never gonna get a theater push. They were just streaming only kind of movies mm-hmm. or like only cable yes. only kind of movies, you know. Which is the true spirit of a holiday movie. But yeah, so like, where were we here? Um, oh, and then we get to another pure sequence of shenanigans uh, in which Abby tries to sneak up to Harper's room because, as we mentioned earlier, Harper pulls <laughs> you up. Yeah. And like, my thing about this, though, is she's like, she's like hopping over things. She's hiding in places. She's like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, all she literally had to do was walk by and be like, hey. And then like, oh, I'm just going to yeah. talk to Harper yeah. for a little bit. And then wait until everybody yeah. went to bed. Something of mine that I'm grabbing. Yeah, or like we're just she gonna didn't talk for a little bit. So that like I was like, you're you're overthinking this, baby girl. Like, come on. <laughs> so why couldn't Harper just come down to her? Exactly. Yeah. And she did that earlier, remember? Like she comes down in the robe and she's like, Oh, girl talk, I get it. And then like yeah. Tipper leaves, right? It's literally only so they can make a 
Abby, why are you in the closet joke? And that is literally the only reason why the entire sequence exists. Literally. Although watching Gary Steinberg and pick up all those vacuums is very so funny, funny. Wow. and great. <laughs> like she's a queen. Mom acting, I love that for her. Yeah. Um, and of oh, course, she goes through all of this right with like the Roomba and everything else, and then Harper's just in her room anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the morning, we do get, I do like that we got that like funny like bit in the morning when like everyone just like comes in because like the door isn't locked yep. and like she's like hiding. Or no, it is, it is locked because she's. Well, there's something in front of it. It's, yeah, it's like locked. Yeah, it doesn't lock, but she put something. When she's in the closet, she says, Oh, I have, I was like sleepwalking. And then, like, Mary Steenburgen says something about, which I did love, where she was, was like, you have to be careful. That's very dangerous. I once took an Ambien and bought, and bought a racehorse. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. And, of course, like, Harper's just standing behind the door, like, stuck still, like, still in her bra and underwear. And then, like, the so children, Alice and Bree's children, are just staring at her and making direct eye contact with her through the crack of the so door. So uncomfortable. I would like to say... Thanks to this scene and the other one where Abby comes into the room to check on her and Harper is a huge bitch to her. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Harper's most toxic trait is that she sleeps in a bra. Yes. Yeah. Which I is, think that's the biggest red flag. Yeah. yeah. Like who, nobody does that. Nobody I does that. I don't know someone who does that who wasn't a freak. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just my line. <laughs> like, unless there is something that physically requires you to wear something like that to sleep, like, you do not need to be doing this behavior. It's it's just, it's off. It's wrong. We should no. have known the vibes were off from this moment. <laughs> vibes are off. And this is, like, where it's revealed, oh, we have a big white elephant party that we're throwing with, like, a bajillion people. Um. Also, I will say, I only want to note this because I did laugh at this, where... You know, they're talking about going to the mall for the white elephant, right? And Sloane, it's like something about how, like, the kid, she doesn't want to take the kids to see Santa. And Tipper is like, well, you never know. This may be their last time. And the kids overhear this, of course. And one of them goes, why is Santa dying? <laughs> Which, fair question. In the most deadpan voice possible, they're like, why is Santa dying? <laughs> Santa has chosen to pass away. <laughs> Tim Allen killed whole, him. We get this whole thing where they're like, go to the mall and like the kids put a necklace in Abby's purse. To get her. like, oh, I have to go run an errand really quick. I promised the children or Santa promised the children the complete works of Sylvia Plath, which what the fuck? Incredible. <laughs> And then we get Jonah from Veep up in here. Like, I was like, I don't want any of this. Like, I love Jonah, but, like, I don't want that. So that obviously is just peak. Like, we have to create a complication, right? And, of course, it's important to note that she sees Carolyn, who is his campaign manager in the store, and she, like, talks to her, even though there's no way in hell she would ever remember who she is because they met really yeah. for two seconds. And so they strange. To each other. And, indeed, she does not remember who she is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, we get back and they're all like, oh, well, like, you're a shoplifter. So, like, you know, I think you need to, like, stay home from, like, don't show up to, like, all the social events because this looks really bad. And, and it's so uncomfortable. Like, Harper doesn't, like, do – like, she doesn't really fight against it. She's just no. like, oh, I believe you. Like, you didn't steal. But, like, it'd just be better if you didn't come. Like – I'm like, you didn't even try to defend your woman's honor. Like, are you serious? No. I feel I like that's another scene that, like, 
would play very differently if they hadn't cast like two white girls as the leads of yes. this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like you could not have done that. It's just so it's awful. And yeah. we it's just I hate I hate it so much. Yeah. And like I just I couldn't and like the whole thing of like you can't come blah 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 go have fun on your own and it's like rude she doesn't know anybody here so you're just asking her to like spend time on her own and like just exist and then she's shocked later when of course riley and abby end up hanging out like it's like what did you expect she doesn't know anybody first you go hang out with your (laughs) ex-girlfriend like and i do i do love the scene when they're together because we get a lot of explanation of how like harper has like done all this before and we get like (laughs) jinx monsoon and ben de la creme just like out here the name mk ultra that's jinx's name and then bendela's is mistletoe and i'm like obsessed it's really good it's really good Uh, that was a very pleasant part of this film when they're like uh doing like karaoke-ish things and making them sing and kristen stewart's very awkward about it i loved it honestly the only way that that could have been funnier is if they had like manila luzon singing her um questionable song hot couture Please stop. If you want to know about Drag Race alumni music, uh, call me up. I have a lot to say. <laughs> and then like when um, Abby is like, oh, I'm going to leave. And I'm like, Harper doesn't give a fuck about you right now. So just stay out and have fun with Riley. Like, why are you going home? But I just want to know that the bar that she goes to meet up with Harper and her friends is called Fratty's. <laughs> I noticed that too. It's very funny. And then, like, she's like, okay, like, let's go home. And Harper is like, no, I want to stay out with my friends. Like, are you okay to get home by I yourself? And then you again. Yeah. She already has abandonment issues, I'm sure, from like losing her parents at a young age. And then yeah. like, she has to deal with Harper never being there for her. I felt very bad for her. And then she's just like, we see like sad shots of her like sitting in bed texting Harper being like, I love you. Like I'm going to bed. And I'm just like, this is so bleak. I like it, that, that bit, this whole bit of the movie like really hit home for yes. me. Like, mm-hmm. it was just, I think, ev- I mean, I, I assume everyone who's ever been in like a shitty toxic relationship with totally. like a fellow person, like was like, oh fuck. But, like, it is extra hard because it's, like, she's doing this so she can play straight with people that she doesn't have to. Yeah. Like, she can just leave. She's never home. Exactly. It's so strange. And It's just such a strange choice. And then, like, you get the most absurd, one of the most absurd parts of this movie where the next morning she goes to check on Harper and like Harper's she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just checking on you to make sure you're okay. And then like Harper goes on this whole thing about she's so clingy and they need time apart. And I'm like, first of all, you have taken this woman to your hometown and she doesn't have a way of leaving. And you're like, we need time mm-hmm. apart. Second of all, all she was doing was checking in on you and making sure you were fine and weren't like super hungover or injured or like taken advantage of or hurt or anything and you're like you know what fuck you for being a good girlfriend goodbye like I don't mm-hmm. want to talk to you yeah. you're so clingy like what in the frat bro behavior is happening here I don't really 
literally literally by no standards was she being clingy like clingy would no. have been like not leaving the bar or like staying up the whole time and then like saying something to her when she got home at four. Like, that's not clingy. She's, like, checking no. in on someone's safety. Like, that was just... Ugh. I just don't even know. And plus, my other thing is, like, how do you write this and then be like, yeah, this is totally, like, a sympathetic character. She's totally fine. Like, everything's great. When you don't have any sort of internal thing going on and you don't have any way of knowing why she's saying the things she's saying other than, like... Yeah. like horrible person so disconnected i hate it yeah so at the party he comes and picks her up we get that fun stuff that we've mentioned with him and the ex-boyfriend from high school which was very cute and fun and abby's like okay like i'm done like i am leaving and harper is like begging her to stay and you're like why like you're you're not invested in this like you literally don't want to see her face you told her that you like yeah, like you wanted a break. Together. Yeah, but she but she has to lurk in the corner at your Christmas party. Yeah, it's like yeah. incredibly awkward. And of course, this is when they're like, when she finally explains herself, when Harper finally explains who she is, and like, oh, the reason why I am the way I am is because my parents always expected us to be perfect, and like we always had these high expectations put on us. I'm like, why didn't you like really explain this at the top of the movie? Like, it's barely explained. It's barely mentioned. I don't understand her motivations until this point. A little like. Even then, it's still not super clear what's happening. And then, of course, like, everything's fine. They, like, try to kiss, and then Sloane bursts in and is like, what is going on? Oh, my God, I have to tell everybody. And, like, then you get more shenanigans where it's like she opens the door to the pantry because she thinks the kids are hiding in there, and it's her husband making out with another woman. And so they both have a secret. And then they just, like, start fighting each other, and it's like – this scene would be really funny if I wasn't worried about the threat of her outing her the entire time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just yeah. hated it. Like her throttling so her with a like with like garland. Hilarious. Harper saying get the Santa to Abby so she can like beat her with it. Hilarious yeah. to me. It just should have been about something lower stakes. Yeah. yeah. And like when they're fighting in front of everybody and she takes those points at us and she fucking just like right on the head. I died. But then it's followed by the worst terrible no good like awful thing where sloan in front of every single person at this party donor included campaign manager whoever else is probably there is like she's a lesbian right and harper does the thing again of like i'm not a lesbian abby's not my girlfriend like that's a lie whatever like she's covering up because she's getting a divorce like she like puts it back on sloan and of course like Abby's like, I gotta go. Okay. In my version of the movie, where I, I mean, where I don't rewrite literally everything, but where I write rewrite some things to make them less insane, like, Harper says that she is a lesbian in that scene. Because I think if she had done that, then I would have been moderately less angry at the fact that Abby gets yes. back together with her. Because it's like, yeah. in that yeah. moment of truth, she decides to do the right thing instead of like, and I get that, like, in the situation they've set up where her parents are super homophobic, but she's also breaking her girlfriend's heart. There's, like, no winning. Yeah. Like, either thing that she does. But the the thing is that we're supposed to root for them to be together yes. at the end. And the fact that she's like, no! And that you see her, like, consider it and then decide. Like, it's yeah. just... and. Yeah. Like that would, that moment would work maybe and feel less terrible if 
like I said earlier, they had made her like a smidge sympathetic, but she's not sympathetic yeah. throughout this entire movie. So no. when this happens, you're just like, God, she's doing the thing again that was mentioned earlier, rather than thinking this is a woman who is horrified of being outed and like, or who is terrified by the fact that she's just been outed by her sister and like being outed by someone is like a deeply like horrible, like disgusting act, right? Like, and you're supposed to like feel that emotion. But the problem is, is you don't like Harper and no matter how rational your brain is, you cannot help but like, just like not even consider that in that moment because it's just like so hard to even like her, like regardless. And in that moment when it's like, she's just brushing aside Abby's, you know, love for her and like their relationship just because she's so conscious about her own image. It's just, it's like, like no matter how much I know that like, that's a horrible thing. It's like, you can't help but emotionally react to that and be like, Ugh, like really come on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. totally. It also like, they talk a lot about how the parents like play favorites and like, force them to perform for their love but aside from the fact that they are very obviously image conscious Mm -hmm. like I never really get the vibe that they're forcing Sloan and Harper to compete which is not to discount the fact that like they clearly are competing yeah but it sort of makes it like like I just didn't feel the emotional stakes or the lived-in-ness of like they withhold their love and because especially because Harper is the favored child like I don't feel like as much sympathy for her when she's talking about like earning her parents love because she's the favorite like she's very obviously the favorite like if she were the non-favorite child it might be a different story but it's like and I get that that's supposed to make the stakes higher because it's like I won't be the favorite anymore if they find out their perfect golden daughter is gay. But at the same time, like it makes it even more like, I just don't feel the emotional weight of like having to earn your parents love like that, the way it's being presented in yes. this movie. Yes. Like 100%. just, it just doesn't work on a lot of levels. Yeah. It's just like, it misses the mark so much that it just like makes me so sad to think of the movie that we could have gotten if it had like, just a little better yeah and then you get like we talked about it already the speech from john which is supposed to be a very genuine moment but does have like this weird air about it but it's like acting wise like you believe it it is like well acted um and this is like the only time like i said yeah it's like the one time in this movie where they explicitly are like coming out as your own journey it needs to be done in your own time in your own way and like you, no one else can decide that for you, which I'm like, this would have been great if we like got some of this like earlier in the movie instead of you talking about the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Damn. Right. Come on, man. And um, then, of course, you just get more like them yelling at the girls being like, why are you doing this in front of everybody? And then like Abby goes to get her stuff and then Harper like tells them officially like, yes, I'm gay. Like Sloan wasn't lying. I love Abby. I've hidden it. And we're all under a ton of pressure or whatever. And then, like, Sloane's like, yeah, she, like, like I'm getting a divorce, like, and tries to, you know, sort of join ranks with her. Um, and, like, this is also kind of weird to me. Like, I understand that Abby's basically done at this point, but Dan Levy just gave her this very, like, heartfelt speech about, like, how coming out is your own thing and, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. And you kind of were like, oh, okay, so she's accepting, like, this and, like, whatever's happening and, like, 
even though she's just like been like, I'm done with this family, I'm done with this relationship and walked out, you give the speech and then she turns around and after like Harper basically finally says, yes, I'm gay. And like, I love, I love Abby so much. She's like, it's too late. And then she leaves. And I'm like, I understand that she's already made up her mind, but like in the story, it just feels so awkward to be like, have this like big moment where you think, oh, this is the big realization. Everything's going to work out. And then it's like, actually, no, goodbye. We're leaving. We're going to a gas station. Yeah. That should have come so much earlier. Yeah. Or even just like before the party. A hundred percent. Then like she goes to the gas station and says like, oh yeah, I love you. And like, I'm, you know, I care about you. And like, I would much rather be with you than like have to worry about what my family thinks. And I'm like, why did we have like this? This just extends the movie. This doesn't do anything extra. This could have been done five seconds ago. Right. But I know. I was like, I'm, are we not done yet? Like it, like I know this movie isn't long, but this made it feel long. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, I want to go back. Yeah. Go ahead. um, Because it's one of my favorite lines um, where Harper and Sloan are confessing their things and then Jane's like I don't have any secrets but I am an ally <laughs> yeah. yes I did like that line we should have ended there it was great okay I sorry <laughs> but like the the scene at the gas station all I could think of was like in baby driver when you think John Hamm is dead and then it's like actually John Hamm is not dead he's here hello this movie's not over yet and I was like god damn it like in the theater I literally thought to myself are you kidding me like this movie's still gonna keep literally. going like that is exactly how I felt about this scene it was just like really like this could have been done we could have wrapped this up like we could have had the happy montage at the end already like what's going on mm-hmm. um but of course they decide they love each other and of course Victor Garber's character basically decides he would rather torpedo his career than like not have the love of his his children and um yeah, I, which I don't believe is realistic, but sure, why not? Yeah, for sure, Victor yeah. Garber. And then, of course, you get, like, the happy montage of them, like, a year later at Christmas, and, like, everything's happy and roses, and, like, Jane has her high fantasy book published, and, like, they all go see It's a Wonderful Life, and, like, it's the end of the movie. I was so mad about that. I was like, how dare you bring It's a Wonderful Like, It's a Wonderful Life balanced tragedy and comedy so well, yep. and you brought it yes. into this show? How dare no, you literally. stand where he stood? Was, you know what I mean? <laughs> literally. I was so mad. It was like truly like salt in the wound. I was like, how dare you? Literally. I agree. 100%. I was like, uh, I don't know. What, why? Not yeah. earned this. Now, of course, to wrap this part of the podcast up, I do have to ask, like, I guess, do we recommend this movie? What, like, is there anything redeeming? What what can we say? Final thoughts. My thing is, I think there are there are worse holiday movies in the holiday movie For canon sure. that we have allegedly accepted that I do not accept. Like the Polar Express, I do not catch me watching that movie ever again. A nightmare. Oh fuck no! That was um, that was a painful fucking experience for me. I I. Uh, stop the train and want to get off honestly i gave this movie like a, a three stars on yeah. letterbox compared to the polar Express's one yeah so like you know it's watchable but you have to go into it knowing that this is not a happy movie you are it is not like a i watch holiday movies to uh feel like warm and fuzzy and like oh this is cute like 
unrealistic. I love it. And this was uh, not that. Yeah. And, um, you know, Robert Zemeckis, he took us to the Polar Express. He took us to Marwin. Um, he also took us to Hell, um, which is Beowulf. So, straight you know, straight to fucking Just got to say. So my thing is, is like, like I said, there are a lot of movies in the canon that are bad that I like. I don't like the How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That's probably controversial. I don't like that movie very much. That's not a movie that I willingly willingly will watch, like every Christmas. Now, a movie like Love Actually, a movie that is bad, also very bad, and I much worse than bad. this movie because like truly everything about it is terrible in so many ways. That movie though, as much as I hate it, it is very rewatchable, and I like if it's on. Like during Christmas, I'll just put it on because it's like, oh, like it's just something to like get you in the mood. It's like Christmas, like junk food, essentially. Like, I think this movie kind of falls into that where it's like, I could definitely see myself throwing this on just because it's like, okay to have his background noise, but not because I'm like, like, this is my favorite holiday movie. Like, it's no Christmas vacation for me. Like, it's not going to be like top of the canon for me. It's just like going to be something that I can throw on because I know it's on streaming because it's impossible to find the kind of movies that I like to watch during the holidays on streaming usually. You know what I mean? I would say for me, um, I would only recommend it if you spoil yourself, frankly. Yeah. Um, like I, I like I said earlier, I tell my friends, like, do not trust the trailer. Um, but mm-hmm. I also, I would not recommend this as a holiday movie or as a queer movie because yeah. It's just not so my high bar for holiday movies mm-hmm. is another Mary Steenburgen joint, Elf. Um Yes, iconic. And yes. Yeah. It's like I grew up watching it with my family. I will watch it with my kids someday. This is not a movie that I would ever want to watch with my children. No. Like a yeah. like it's not like it's a fun it's not fun. It's not yeah. fun. I have no I wouldn't have rewatched it if not for like getting myself refreshed on it to record this like I would rather just watch Charlie's Angels or a super cut of Riley <laughs> and like call it a day like I just yeah I, I don't we like queer people don't have to settle for this shit and no. it also kind of goes back to like my quibble with Clea Duvall being like I made the queer holiday movie I've always wanted like this is not the queer holiday movie that I want like yeah I want a yeah, better movie. Okay. I want a movie that's absolutely good, and I want a movie that's about Hanukkah. Like, there you go. Yeah, it's unfortunate that the cast is so good, but mm-hmm. like, I know I had like such high expectations. I I know that this is a crazy comparison, but I feel the same way I felt about La La Land, in which like on paper seems like everything I would mm-hmm. love, but like in execution, there's just something that doesn't work. Um, is this where I reveal that I gave, I believe I gave Mank and this movie the exact same rating on Letterboxd? (laughs) That makes sense to me. I gave Mank, like, pretty generous because I was like, you know what? I understand why people like it, but it wasn't for me. But the more I think about it, I, like, might knock it down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I hate that we've done, like, two, like, is it blessed, like, episodes kind of in a row because we haven't done that before. But like, and then like they're both kind of downers. Like it's both like uh, both us being like, don't watch these. Like they're fine. Like yeah, you might get something out of this, but like you probably won't. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's happiest season. Um, it's not the happiest season. 
Uh, it's not even the happiest. Season. It's not even the happiest month. It's not the happiest holiday. It's not anything. It's just not happy. It's not happy at all. It's just much. It's unhappy, quite literally. Yeah, crying literally. this season. Yeah. Now we're gonna play what the plot. And um, Chloe, you have brought to us a movie that I don't think either one of us has heard of, but I'm very excited to see what you think this movie is because I also would like to. I I looked up this movie and oh boy, I can't oh wait boy. to hear what uh, Chloe has to offer us. Oh God. I wish, so I wish my mental image of the plot was as like, was more elaborate mm-hmm. because I feel yeah, like my vision of it is pretty straightforward. Um, Can you yeah. tell us the name but, of this movie? Yes, it is called Rock and Rule. Um, so it's from 1983. It's directed by Clive A. Smith. Um, and it has nothing to do with Rock and Roll High School. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a fave. Chloe, take us away. Okay. Um, so to in my opinion, this is a rock opera in the same vein as We Will Rock You, but about okay. perhaps a medieval fantasy kingdom type thing instead. Um, but there is a lot of like rock jukebox. Um, someone is a king or a queen. Perhaps they use music to rule over the land. Maybe it's like a Mad Max Fury Road thing where you just play it as you go into battle. I mean, I should rewatch that. It's so good. Um, yeah. And I picture sort of a similarly like desert e world um to mad max and also kind of i picture the production values of dune really yeah okay I get what like, you mean. yeah yeah um but i also imagine it being very campy as one should be so yeah that's rock and roll from my brain Okay. <laughs> so let me reveal to you. The uh, I'm gonna reveal the log line, and then I want to go into some plot details. First of all, I just want to let you know that Catherine O'Hara and Lou Reed are both in this film. What? Yeah. And the log line is: a malevolent rock star kidnaps a female singer to force her to participate in the summoning of a demon, and her band must help her stop him. Oh my and god! The first. The first line of the Wikipedia is, in the American release, an introduction states that a war had destroyed the human race, leading to the creation of mutant humanoid animals. (laughs) So basically this guy wants a demon who's uh, powerful uh, (laughs) to destroy the world and immortalize himself. Um, And at some point, uh, Cinderella is involved. (laughs) Yeah, but don't they call her Cindy? Is that what I'm reading here? They call her Cindy yes. at some point? Yeah. You are correct. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's rock and roll. Honestly, I want to see this movie. I, I need like to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does say, it. Uh, Letterboxd tells me it's on Amazon Prime. So Nice. <laughs> Honestly. I will seems give fun. my money to the evil man, Jeff Bezos, to watch it. <laughs> Oh my god. And my favorite is that Catherine O'Hara just plays a character named Aunt Edith. And that's yeah. like it. Everybody else gets like, you know, like sleazy, dizzy, toad, you know, mock, Aunt Edith. angel, I would like Omar. And also then- it's animated. I want to note that it's animated. Oh, no. Animated? Okay. Yes. That makes sense. 
that's not what I imagined, obviously, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because I was like, how does it make sense that they're humanoid animals if it's live action and from the 80s? Yes, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that is that movie. <laughs> Incredible. Anyway, so we got to close out this episode. Uh, before we do that, Chloe, uh, would you like to plug anything, social media, anything you're doing, interesting, whatever? Um, I am not doing anything especially interesting at the current time on account of uh, the world around us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you can follow me on Twitter at Chloe Sobel, where I tweet a lot about Taylor Swift and, um, mo- it's mostly Taylor Swift. Um, yeah. And we're Taylor Swift yeah. right now. So. And at, and at Chloe Sobel on Instagram, where I occasionally do like food blogging. Um, yeah, that's 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 me. It's just my name. I am one of two people in the world with this name. Um, the <laughs> other one is a soccer playing teenager from maybe New Jersey. Oh my so, I got that. SEO. You're the winner. You're the winner for sure. There used to be a, a guy doctor in like St. Paul who had my name, but he was really old and died. So now I'm the only one. F. No, that's... I, there's like a you couple, won. there's a couple of Shelby Moorings, but the biggest one I know of is like, she's like my age and she's like a yoga instructor and like seems really cool and like into cool shit and I'm like damn like I almost want to befriend her but I also feel weird about people having my first name to begin with like Ford versus Ferrari I was don't. a difficult um film yeah I know, I know you know don't Chloe that. yeah this might come as a surprise but... <laughs> okay so We're going to finish this up. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, This has been Blessed Picture. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Chloe, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, If you like Happiest Season and are mad about this, I am so sorry, but hopefully our audience knows better. Um, Anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at BlessedPick. You can follow us on Instagram at Blessed.Picture. And, or is it, it's at Blessed.Picture, correct? I have to ask mm-hmm. this every time. And then, of course, if you enjoy our show, feel free to rate, review, subscribe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It really helps us out. Of course, recommend us to your friends. Um, and that's pretty much the gist. That's pretty much everything. Uh, we are wrapping up our holiday movies, and the next episode you will see from us will just be a mini-sode about the best of the year. Uh, which I'm feeling very stressed about because I still have so many movies to watch. I'm I'm very overwhelmed. I feel very overwhelmed right now. So uh, we'll see how it goes for us. I'm terrified. Um, Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, I I don't even know. Subscribing. (laughs) This is normally where I do like an impression or something that's like really embarrassing. And then we end the episode, right? Like that's like it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have an impression <laughs> for this one. My impression. I feel like so, I deserve an impression of Catherine O'Hara. Oh, I can't even do it. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Should I bring Bob Hoskins back? <laughs> Can I do an impersonation of Shelby doing an impersonation do. of Bob Hoskins? I'm do it right now. Hello. I'm Bob Hoskins. That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs>
first of all, I only make I only notice this, or I only make note of this because uh, Mackenzie is standing next to Allison Brie and um, oh my god, what's her name? Who plays Jane? Mary Holland. Mary Holland. Right. And she looks like a giant next to them. Like her head looks she's even taller. She looks huge. <laughs> like she just looks very tall. And all I could think of is that, like that iconic like Yahoo Answers where it's like, I love my big tall wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, literally. Yeah. 